0: from WNUR News, I'm Margot Muall. You're listening to the 6 o'clock news on WNUR 89.3 FM FM HD1, Evanston, Chicago. It's Friday, November 4th, 2002. Tonight on WNUR News, Halloween for transfers, costume reflections, and the history of pigeons. Those stories coming up tonight on WNUR News at 6. Thanks for tuning in. What's that noise? Is it a ghost? No, but it is a story about Halloween for transfer students at Northwestern.
1: For many Northwestern students, Hollow weekend is one of the most anticipated weekends of the year. It is a time to dress up in crazy costumes with your friends, put makeup on, and go out to have a good time. Yet for new transfers, the weekend illuminates the often lonely realities of being a transfer at NU. With so many events on campus, it can be overwhelming trying to figure out which one to go to, especially as a transfer. In general, transfer life is strange. You are no longer a first year, so many friend groups are already formed. Yet you are new, like a first year, desperate to integrate yourself into the community. Halloween reminds the new transfers of the unique situation. Angie DeBoer, a sophomore transfer from UC San Diego, speaks about what she did over Halloween. She started with preparing to
2: go out. I So I went thrift shopping um, to find a Halloween costume because I thought, well, maybe I'll dress up and I found this uh, pink dress. I was going to be Elle Woods. Very original, I know. Nonetheless,
1: DeBoer says she didn't end up going out because she didn't know of anything going on. But in the end, she
2: is content with her decision not to go to a frat party. I just know I wouldn't enjoy it on Halloween. But it kind of sucked to, to not really do anything for Halloween weekend. I think I bet there were other events and things happening, but I just didn't know about them because as a new transfer, it's just hard to find the information and be in the loop. Um, so so yeah, it kind of s- sucked, but I'm happy with my decision. Though DeBoer is yet to find a group of
1: friends she feels comfortable around, she is hopeful that next year she will be surrounded by people she trusts.
2: I feel like I have a good group of People I can go to th- events with and feel like I trust them and they, um, just have, because I really would like that experience. But yeah, I, I, I would like to do that next year. I just don't know what I'd do.
1: DeBoer says missing the holiday was particularly difficult for her. I love Halloween. I'm a big Halloween person, which is why this was kind of sad. Callan Shanahan is also a new sophomore transfer from Davidson College. She says word of mouth plays a big role at Northwestern with social life. She believes it is even harder as a transfer to hear about events.
3: Well, I do think a lot of it does have to do with um, a lot of the information about like parties and events is spread through word of mouth. And so it does feel like sort of a dead end and like you're not, it's harder to get information when you are a transfer and you're not, you're still you know, trying to connect with the community and make those connections.
1: In general, Shanahan feels like there is a gatekeeping with the events on and off campus concerning social life.
3: As I have heard from transfers and non-transfers that sometimes it feels like there's sort of like a gatekeeping culture with um, like social life.
1: DeBoer compared the social life at NU to UCSD. She believes there are many more insular friend groups and much more of a work hard, play hard mentality at NU.
2: Everyone's a little bit more intense, and I think along with that comes this work hard, play hard mentality. And also, I think everyone's kind of found um, their friend groups already, and they have people that they tend to associate with, and that just really, wasn't really a thing.
1: Both DeBoer and Shanahan witnessed how Halloween creates a stronger bond throughout the community than most weekends at NU
2: halloween here is a big deal i i didn't think it was going to be like that as bay as it was kind of other places that i've been but i completely agree everyone kind of signs this pack to just go out and dress up and um and i think it is it's a bonding experience you know getting like coordinating outfits weeks ahead of time and getting your doing your makeup in the bathroom mirror and listening to music
3: Yeah, I'd say so. I think um, it also had to do with the fact that I think a lot more people were going out, too. Like, I think a lot of people that typically wouldn't go out every weekend were, you know, out and about. So I think that also added to the sense of community.
1: DeBoer hopes to one day feel a part of the community and experience Halloween during her time at Northwestern. But for now, as these transfers navigate a completely new campus, their social scene remains a question mark. For WNUR News, I'm Amelia Donhauser.
0: Moving on to arts and entertainment. Halloween just passed, and that means an abundance of new costumes to gossip about. But what's the criteria to have a good costume? Kara Totley may have the answer.
4: As 2022 heads to a close, the time of year, in the words of Katie Herron, when girls can dress like a total slut and no other girls can say anything else about it came to pass last Monday. Or depending on your Halloween weekend, the festivities started last Thursday. The beauty of Halloween is the ability to dress up however you want and judge other costumes. Me and Anushka Dasgupta sat down and did exactly that. Anushka recently became a multimedia member of Stitch. Stitch is a student-run fashion-focused publication that has been running for over 15 years at Northwestern. Even though Anushka is a part of Stitch, her opinions are her own and doesn't reflect everyone within that publication. With that said, Do you have any criteria for what makes a good costume?
5: I think what for me is a good costume is something with effort behind it or thought behind it. So like a funny costume, like that takes creativity to think about it. Or if it's like an intricate costume, obviously you put time and effort into that costume. That's what I consider a good costume is something that you put effort into.
4: Effort definitely sets the difference between what can be considered a favorite for me too. What was your favorite outfit that you saw?
5: There's was this one girl I walked past on Sheridan Road who was dressed up as Lord Farquaad. Chef's freaking kiss. It was so cool. They had, like, this black and red rose dress, and, and then they had this, like, I think a red fur coat, and they had the beret, they had the short, the perfect Lord Farquaad hair, but... They looked amazing, like amazing. So I definitely think the Lord Farquaad one was my favorite. The
4: Lord Farquaad costume is a great example of how much effort mixed with humor can create a costume that has a lasting effect. But sometimes the humor goes too far. During Halloween, there's always those costumes where the intention of being funny was there, but the execution was done poorly. This year's case was Billie Eilish, 20, and our boyfriend Jesse Rutherford, 31, poked fun at their age gap by billy dressing up as a baby and jesse as an old man where's the line drawn for when a costume go from a small joke to something a little bit more controversial
5: that specific situation is hard because no one knows their relationship like the two people in it right i think it the fact that they're playing on the public perception and they're just like we're gonna make a joke out of it there is a conversation to be had about, like, controversial costumes. An obvious example would be, like, cultural appropriation in Halloween costumes. Or dressing up as certain characters could be bordering on offensive. Maybe if you're, like, sexualizing some something, like, that is very obviously not in the realm of being sexual. That's
4: the other side of Halloween outfits, where instead of doing a funny costume, people go sexy where almost anything and everything can be made to become more risque.
5: One of my groups of friends, we were just sitting at dinner and she was like, hee hee, what if I dress up as like, um, sexy boo from Monsters Inc.? And I'm like, she's a six-year-old bro, like what the heck? She didn't even think about it like that. Like, of course she had no bad intention, but like, it's weird. Like, it's so normalized. I feel like in general, beauty standards are pretty pedophilic.
4: Which to a point is true. Women are expected to shave right after puberty to have baby smooth skin or impress any signs of aging including wrinkles or graying hair so why when halloween comes around nothing is off limits to become a revealing costume especially upon entering into college is there an empowering and freeing aspect of it
5: if it's empowering to you then great i am but i think it's also worth thinking about why is it empowering to me How much of it is, like, actually coming from me versus, like, societal pressures I've internalized? I feel like there definitely is a pressure to dress more revealingly in college. I talked about this with my friends, and a lot of them were saying, like, yeah, no, I feel like if I didn't dress revealing in my costume i didn't even dress up for halloween so i don't know it's a very complex issue like no judgment to anyone who does anything whatever makes people feel confident
4: even though the lines are blurry for when a costume changes from something fun confidence inducing into something more controversial whether that be internalized social standards or jokes turned problematic the most important part is just to have fun be creative and put some effort into it if you want to hear more about what anushka has to say about halloween 2022 check out her podcast segment under stitches podcast Undressed, called so fetch For WNUR News, I'm Cara Totley.
0: Pigeons were once owned by royalty and saved hundreds of lives. Now they're shooed and cursed at. What happened in the pigeons' long history to make them so despised? Oddities reporter Helen Bradshaw has more.
6: Thousands of years ago, a particular bird was a symbol of fertility in ancient Mesopotamia. It wasn't a beautiful swan or a vibrant peacock, but a humble pigeon was touted as the auspicious symbol. They've been war heroes, diligent messengers, loyal companions, and today they're called rats with wings and are hated by many. So what caused the pigeons' downfall in the public eye? How did they go from being associated with goddesses to being viewed as lower than dirt?
3: When you look at a pigeon, you don't think, oh, here's an animal I could domesticate, you know, and ride around on or use to make cheese or whatever. Like, they, they seem useless to our eyes.
6: That's Rosemary Moscow, science writer and author of A Pocket Guide to Pigeon Watching, Getting to Know the World's Most Misunderstood Bird.
3: But that's just because a lot of the reasons why they were domesticated are obsolete. Things become less useful to us. We tend to find them annoying. But I think it's just kind of a combination of they weren't useful anymore, and then we started to fear them because they were in our space.
6: Pigeons, which are really just in the Dove family, were domesticated thousands of years ago for their incredible navigational skills, their meat, and even their companionship. Now, they wander the streets of city centers, shunned by the same creatures that brought them here, us.
3: They really are, in some senses, a human creation, and they want to be near humans. So they are a lot less troublesome than I think we tend to think they are. They're not an invasive species for the most part. They can occasionally spread disease to native dove species, but usually they just want to stick around the people that domesticated them. So they want to be near people. So they don't invade natural species or whatever natural means. They are not as much disease carriers as we tend to fear they are. They're not as destructive as, as we think they are. Um, That isn't to say that they don't have any Um, negative consequences, but in general, they're just not as much of an issue as as we think. And that's partly just because we misunderstand what they are.
6: In other words, we sort of abandon these birds that we once bred to live with us and love us.
3: So when they're in the city, they definitely suffer. Um, You'll see them with foot injuries a lot. They walk on the ground, they injure their feet, they get stuff tangled in their feet. Um, They are a good indicator of lead levels and other toxicity in in the city. So they suffer from a lot of, you know, city ills. Um, And uh, and yeah, it's it's definitely a, a super complicated issue where it's this creature that, was kind of dumped here and, and then people go, oh, why are they here? And they get annoyed and they're disgusted. And I think arguably we have a responsibility towards them. It's certainly a complicated issue.
6: But if pigeons have been revered for thousands of years before now, it definitely wasn't always like this. Public opinion on these birds has shifted and it's shifted fast.
3: Things really fell apart, at least in the US, in the 1960s, because that was around when we got people eating broiler hens a lot more. So they were eating chicken instead of pigeon. They sort of forgot why pigeons were here. People stopped using pigeons as much. They were using, you know, the, the telegraph and the radio and all this stuff. That was kind of a slow, a slow fall from grace for the pigeon. And then around then was the first time that we saw people calling them rats with wings. So in the New York Times, there was this park commissioner, Thomas P. Hubbing who was lumping pigeons in with other perceived social ills, you know, like people with substance abuse problems, unhoused people and pigeons. And he said, you know, pigeons are these rats with wings. And that was when that kind of catchy meme took off. So I think it was around then, it was around kind of the mid to late 1900s that things were really falling apart for pigeons. So, I mean, when you think about it, that's so recent, like that's such a new thing.
6: Before then, pigeons had important roles in society most notably as message carriers all the way through World War II. In World War I, pigeons rapidly flew through gunfire and poisonous gas to get help for injured military personnel. Sometimes, these birds saved multiple human lives while sacrificing their own. One particular pigeon, Cher saved nearly 200 lives by delivering messages during the Battle of Verdun. She had been shot in the chest, one of her legs held on by only a tendon, and she could only see out of one eye, and still she delivered her message 25 miles away in only 25 minutes. Despite their tremendous heroism, pigeons were dying not just in the process of carrying messages, but also as uninformed troops didn't give birds the care they needed to survive while they awaited their missions. Still, knowing more of the history of pigeons may not be enough to change people's minds, and Moscow understands that.
3: Whether or not you like pigeons, and it's, it's honestly okay if you're not a huge fan, I think pigeons show us that we are very good at forgetting history, even recent history. So this is a creature that was beloved, was honestly the property of royalty, Um, you know, the very rich and powerful. And in some cases, you know, the poor were forbidden from having pigeons. You know, this is this creature that was that was loved and adored and respected for thousands of years. And then, you know, in the past few decades, we started to hate them. I mean, I think it's so important for us to to understand the history and context of the nature around us and to not forget a lot of that history because I think that history can give us more compassion. It can prepare us for what's coming in the future. So I think pigeons at the very least can give us that sense of context. And, um, and once we understand you know, why the things around us are around us, then we we just become better people and, and better nature lovers and better, better city dwellers. And also they're really funny and cute to watch. So that's also vitally important.
6: If you see an injured pigeon, you can contact a local wildlife rehabilitator like the Chicago Bird Collision Monitors. And if you want to help in other ways, you can foster or adopt through centers like the Great Lakes Pigeon Rescue. For WNUR News, I'm Helen Bradshaw.
0: Welcome back to WNUR News. It's 6.21 p.m. Central Time. A look at the weather for tonight. After a week of mostly sunny skies, Evanston saw a day of rain and wind. While this will most likely continue throughout the weekend, Evanstonians should expect the weather to improve next week, with numerous days reaching up to 65 degrees. Taking a look into the headlines. Today is the last day Georgians can cast an early vote for this year's midterm elections, The race has drawn record levels of early voter turnout, with over one million Georgians casting ballots. This follows the implementation of updated state-level election procedures in 2021. Elon Musk's Twitter takeover is ushering in massive change. He has said that he plans to lay off about half of the existing workforce to cut costs. He also plans to end the company's work-from-anywhere policy. The Supreme Supreme Court heard oral arguments this week on numerous cases— including those dealing with the future of affirmative action at U.S. universities. Israel held elections this week, its fifth in less than four years, with Benjamin Netanyahu securing a majority. Netanyahu now has to form a government, a process that could take weeks. And the U.S. and the Netherlands are splitting the cost of refurbishing 90 more Czech T-72B tanks for, UK- for Ukraine and Kiev's fight against Russia, the Pentagon announced today. That's all for WNUR News at 6 p.m. For more for more news updates and reports, follow us on Twitter at WNUR News. You can listen to these and other WNUR News stories on our website, WNUR.news. That's WNUR.news. Find us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts. Our producer today is Sarah Codora, and our reporters are Amelia Donhauser, Cara Tolley, and Helen Bradshaw. From all of us here at WNUR News, Thanks for listening. I'm Margot Mewall. Catch us for our next newscast on Monday, November 7th at 7 p.m. Now, back to schedule scheduled programming.